Thank you so much for tuning in again to Sustainable Seagull on air. I'm your host, Sierra Bray, aka Sustainable Seagull, and I am joined with a very special guest today. She is a student, a leader, and a sustainable advocate who is currently working with an organization called Sustainable CT. Please welcome Tara Brooks. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm so happy to have you on the show and um, I know I had received an email from you and you were talking to me about how you were involved with your schooling and also interning and working for this awesome company so I thought you know like I have to get to know you and interview you and learn about you know why you started this journey so tell me a little bit about yourself and your background sure well um Kind of going back on how I stumbled upon environmentalism in the first place, it really started in high school. Okay. Um, I went to school in New Hampshire, and it was a very um, outdoorsy place, and it was very focused on kind of using um, the natural environment as your classroom, which I wasn't previously exposed to that much beforehand. Okay. So it was definitely a different experience. Um, And going from there, I think I kind of stumbled upon environmentalism. I didn't think it was something that... I would be so passionate about in the future and that I would be involved in so heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, So going into my freshman year of college, um, because it was something that I was starting to really like the whole movement of environmentalism, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I could do this for a little while. Um, And from there, you know, the environment just has a plethora of different areas that you could really explore. It's so Um, true. So once I kind of stumbled upon to it, like it just kind of went from there and progressed from there. That's amazing. So let's backtrack a bit. Tell me about like living in New Hampshire, because you said that, um, you said that it was like a very outdoorsy environment and you were kind of like, is it the school very outdoorsy or it's just, that's how people are there. Um, a little bit of both. Uh, I would say that was kind of just a local culture and that was how the school was when I first got there as well. Um, you know, we would have things called, uh, field courses where for a week we would go to more of a backcountry area of New Hampshire and go either, you know, backpacking or canoeing or something different like that. Um, and when I first got there, it was a very, um, intimidating kind of idea because I grew up in Connecticut and it was the suburbs you know I kind of got the best of both worlds I got a little bit of the four state but it was mostly just the kind of um urban area so when people say oh let's go hiking I was like yeah I'm good on that it it just never seemed appealing to me um but slowly but surely you know um because it was such a strong culture there you know you really just become immersed with it um you know I have a bunch of friends that live in New Hampshire and they all are they all are sort of like that too um and it just kind of shows you a different um part of the world that you can really explore without any inhibitions or anything like that yeah that's incredible I mean I personally believe that kind of like all schools should really immerse the environment within their curriculum. And that's amazing that you got to go backpacking and canoeing and learn about those different kind of activities because there's so many people that don't get that opportunity to experience that. And I feel like you learn so much about yourself and about the environment and about people around you and how to work as a team doing certain things. Um, I mean, you know, there's Girl Scouts and there's Girl Guides and and Scouts and whatever, but 
I just feel like if you, you know, give everyone an opportunity, everyone is like a little bit more open-minded, right? Right, right. Um, it definitely was a very, um, it felt like a very different and open culture. And, yeah. you, know, you know, exploring the environment on such a personal level, you really establish that connection first before it came, became such an academic thing later on um, mm-hmm. in my academic career, like going through college. Yeah. Um, you know, which I have to say I miss now. Um, I really took those opportunities for granted, being able to just step outside and having that time to explore the outdoors and explore the natural environment sure. and really build that um, personal appreciation rather than just studying it from a book yeah. or just hearing about it through a lecture or anything like that. Um, so I would definitely say it gave me more of an advantage and gave me um, a very level head and gave me kind of what to expect mm-hmm. um, working with it a little more so. Yeah. Um, and then kind of progressing from there. So, yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, high school is such a awkward time in life, you know. You always feel like, you know, exactly what you're doing, you know, exactly how to do it and what to do to get there and all this other stuff. Like, I just thought, you know, I knew the world when I was in high school. And so it was a very humbling time in my life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I met a lot of different people and it was just a large variety. And yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience, you know, just to sum it up. It sounds like it. And so from that, do you feel like being immersed in that culture, did you feel that environmental studies was for you then moving forward to college? Was that something that you figured out being able to have that experience in high school? Oh, hands down. Yeah, definitely. I would say that, um, I think the transition from high school to college, not only did I realize I wanted to go into the environmental field, um, but also that, you know, I wanted to go into it um, kind of avoiding this idea of mainstream environmentalism. Um, And I think when I say that, I think I just mean more like, you know, a lot of people, when they think of environmentalism, they think of people that drink organic coffee and Um, you know, compost and, you know, um, and that's just kind of what their spectrum of environmentalism is. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was something a little more different than that. Um, To me, it just felt like environmentalism needed to be distributed um, across poverty and race. And in my mind, it just felt like it wasn't necessarily going that way in mainstream environmentalism because it was so focused on the natural environment, Um, which, you know, of course, like, is the purpose of it in the first place. But I think what it comes down to um, is exploring the populations that are affected by, um, you know, climate change and are affected by... um, Things such as, you know, landfills being placed in their neighborhoods because it's a lower income neighborhood or, you know, different um, circumstances like that, that people would take for granted. So um, that's definitely where my focus was kind of shifted towards when I was going into college. Um, So I would say it definitely incorporated a policy and a human rights piece on top of the um, kind of working with the natural environment and making sure we amended the relationship between, you know, urban areas and uh, bridging the gap between their natural environment and what that meant to them. Because, you know, obviously that's going to be different wherever you go and whoever you talk to. Sure. 
Sure. Wow. I know. And I've, you know what, like, I, I, I've thought about that. Like, you know, you watch documentaries and you learn about like landfills that are placed in, in certain areas and and you see what's happening in um, different countries that, you know, are dealing with hardship or dealing with poverty, but you don't think of it the way that you just said it. And I think that's so powerful. And, and you've like kind of opened my eyes to think of like, wow, like we're actually not even like talking about the tip of like, we're only talking about the tip of the iceberg. We're not really getting to like the deeper problems that are tied to it. Um, wow. That's like, you've, you've opened my, you've opened my mind a little bit. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's great. Not to cut you off, but that's definitely, that's always my focus just to make sure that, you know, um, of course, a natural piece, like I said, is always going to be the end goal. But mm-hmm. um, there's this mantra um, that was circulating in the 1970s, I believe, when the environmental movement was really, um, you know, being labeled and really being hardcore. And that was um, think globally and act locally. Um, and that's something that I feel like is more prevalent now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the recent changes in administration and just everything that's going on. Well, granted, you could kind of say that that could also carry out with administration in the past as well. But um, I think our generation is just so passionate about different causes and just so passionate about different things that, um, you know, I think everything that's going on today, like this is more about we need to look at it as more of an opportunity for us to be able to act locally and to be able to step up and really advocate for the people that may not be able to, or for the people that, you know, be able to educate the people that may not know exactly what's going on. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, I think that's kind of why, like, you know, when people ask me about certain things, like that's why I'm telling, like, it's just opportunities for us to act locally. Um, I feel like that mantra is just um, very relatable. So, um, sure. especially even with the past generations, you know, um, people say like, oh, you know, my parents were never interested in sustainability. And I don't know, I feel like we need to take that with a grain of salt, because while that may be true, like my grandparents and, you know, your grandparents, everybody's grandparents were the OG of environmentalists, you know, like my grandmother grew up in rural Georgia, um, um, on farms and and plantations and things like that. And they lived off of the natural environment because those are just the resources that they had. Yeah. You know, they weren't necessarily labeling that as sustainability or labeling that as, Oh, I'm being green today or anything like that. You know, they did the things that they needed to do because they had to, um, which was, you know, eating all natural foods, you know, GMO wasn't even nearly a concept to them you know so I think it's just interesting to kind of see the progression of the environmental movement and just making sure that we continue to include the social justice part on top of the conservation part as well absolutely wow that's and you're so right like and I've never I I've never thought of that either as like our grandparents because people do say like oh you know my parents were They weren't recyclers or they never really inspired us to like want to recycle or things like that. But then you look at our grandparents and our grandparents' parents where like they literally just lived on like a piece of land and would like cultivate their own food. And, you know, we're getting water from a well and it's just like, it's so, like it's so far out, it's back in now. Like we're trying to bring that back. 
Um, right. It's just so that's so interesting. Like it's wow. I'm I'm my you're opening my mind and I love it. So, so <laughs> this is why we have conversations, right? you know. Right. It's a two way street. <laughs> so when so you went into um, college and you took environmental science and you said that there was a wide range of different like programs and um, interests and. Um, kind of different components of environmental science. So what was your focus? Like what was your, I guess, major per se, or what was like your goal for taking environmental science? So originally, um, I thought I wanted to go into environmental law. Okay. So first going into college, my major, my major has stayed the same luckily throughout college, and that was always environmental or, or environmental earth science, excuse me. Okay. Um, and that's always kind of incorporated geology, um, my concentration in sustainable energy, um, and simultaneously hydrology. Okay. So it's always been a little bit of a variety within that. And my minor, I have switched multiple times <laughs> so I first started out with Spanish as a minor and then I went into political science as a minor and then I finally settled on geographic information systems which is mainly mapping spatial layout things sort of of that nature okay. um so I've definitely you know jumped around a little bit within my college career but I think I finally settled on something that I feel is all-encompassing okay that's amazing. That's amazing. And so, so you're done school or you're still in school? I'm still in school. I have one more semester left. Oh, Yay. So exciting. <laughs> so I graduate in May. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and then you're interning for Sustainable CT. Yeah, I'm actually interning for a couple of different places okay. right now. So the main energy office on campus is the Institute for Sustainable Energy. And I'm an intern under them, and Sustainable CT came to fruition about a year ago. Okay. Um, so it's a program kind of that's been um, extracted from the Sustainable Energy Office on campus. Okay. And I was also just recently employed with the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, um, which is based in a different part of Connecticut where I live. So um, I'm kind of all over the place right now, you know, just testing the waters, you know, absolutely. just kind of getting my feet wet for post-graduation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what is your, what is your hope when you graduate or what are some things that you're looking to accomplish or try or work or travel? What do you think you're going to be doing once you graduate? Um, definitely working. I'm probably still going to be working with DEEP, is the acronym for the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Um, I'm going to be employed with them for a little while longer. And then from there, um, I definitely have a personal agenda that I want to get done. Um, and that just kind of incorporates, you know, just, I think my biggest goal right now is learning how to live life again, like beyond, um, school. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got <laughs> so you. So <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've just been a student for so long. I definitely want to get back um, kind of my yearn for learning outside of just homework assignments and something um, as technical as that. Sure. Um, so I do love school, you know, like stay in school, kids. That's always a message. <laughs> um, and I definitely want to go for um, my master's in public health hopefully about a year from now in okay. environmental toxicology. And then from there, I'm interested in getting my PhD 
in environmental health science or environmental epidemiology or something along those lines. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah, but for right now, I think just kind of exploring, um, looking at schools at a state would be really nice. Um, just kind of going through um, different personal things like that. Yeah. You know, a little journey. That sounds amazing. So who would you say is maybe one or maybe you have a few, some of your role models that are kind of that sustainable leader that you kind of look up to that you know that's making the change that you support, making the change that you're really, you know, proud of? Wow, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) One of them definitely would have to be Bill McKibben. Okay. Um, I'm sure a lot of people talk about him. He's a huge sustainability advocate. Um, I've read, he has multiple books published. Um, the one I was reading recently is called oil and honey. Um, and it's one of his most recent works and it is flawless. It is such a good book. Um, and I think what I like the most about it is that he's so relatable and he's so human. Um, you know, because in my own personal life, you know, I'm not the most sustainable person ever, you know, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, and you know, I'm slowly making changes in my life to kind of transition to living a more sustainable lifestyle. And, you know, when you read his stuff, he's just incredibly in touch with himself. He's incredibly in touch with the natural environment around him. And he always seems to be incorporating a diversity aspect so it doesn't feel like he's speaking one audience or it doesn't feel like he's advocating for one audience it feels like he's incredibly widespread um which is great you know I feel like people definitely lose that when they talk about um environmentalism and what that means to them it's just making sure that they keep that diversity aspect within it um so I think he's a really good role model for what environmentalism used to be and what it's kind of what it should be getting back to. Definitely. I'm definitely going to write that. I wrote that book down. Actually, I made a note. I'm going to check it out. It sounds really, really good. Um, Oh, it's great. I read it like two or three times. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a book is good when you read it more than once. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to have to definitely check it out. Um, And it's awesome too, that you're saying that like, it's a little bit relatable and it's, you know, he's talking to a widespread like audience and just seems like, those kinds of books are just, I don't know, like really, um, moving. Like you're actually like able to take something from a book like that. And, and if one person is taking something from it, like you said, if it's a widespread audience, like probably everyone that reads that book is going to take something really positive from it. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. What, what do you, um, hope to see change or, um, maybe not change, but potentially improve, um, on the way we treat the planet. And that could be from a government's perspective. That could be from a personal perspective, um, in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, that's a good question too. Um, I think definitely just seeing people reconnect with each other. Um, over the issue of our natural environment and making sure we take care of it. Um, Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I think it's really important to keep environmentalism and align with um, kind of poverty and race and how 
it affects marginalized communities. So I think um, definitely education and outreach to communities are directly affected by the effect, you know, the effects of climate change and yeah. things like that, mm-hmm. um, or directly affected by um, kind of given the the short end of the stick, you know, for lack of a better term, when it comes to um, dealing with the side effects of anthropogenic um, kind of, it's hard, you know, it's hard to articulate this, but just, I think really just outreaching toward each other and making sure that we educate each other um, and making sure that we stay connected and we keep in mind that this is all one cause that we're fighting for. So it's great. It's always great to see people building personal relationships with the environment and personal relationships with our um, natural world, but just making sure that, you know, they continue to build connections amongst each other um, and that, you know, we're, you know, if we're talking about the Grand Canyon, we're going to talk about Harlem as well. And if we're going to talk about, you know, the redwood trees that we're going to talk about areas of the Bronx as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So just keeping in mind that, you know, even if it's an urban area, we need to make sure that they're healthy and that, you know, those are areas where we do work and play and, you know, reside as Mm -hmm. well, because that is our world, including Mm -hmm. the natural environment, you know? So just kind of making sure that we bridge the gap between each other while we're keeping um, our relationship with the environment. That's a great answer. That's a really good answer. Some people might say, um, you know, I want to cut down the use of plastic. But no, I really loved that answer. That's a great, great answer. So, which, you know, like, and at the same is, time, you know, that's always a goal as well. Absolutely. You know, like, oh, absolutely. you know, save the trees and <laughs> save the whales. But, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's people that need saving too. So, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really large spread um, type of deal we've got going on. And you know what? We need people like you and we need people like the people that are like save the trees and save, um, save, you know, the whales and things like that. So if we could, but if we can stay connected, like you said, and all kind of work together, then that will work. But sometimes I feel like there is that disconnect and and you're absolutely right. There needs to be kind of a bridge um, of those gaps. So what is one big goal that you hope to accomplish this year that is uh, relative to being more sustainable? I know you said that you're working on some things and, and obviously as a student, sometimes it can be really difficult to, you know, do everything that you want because you're extremely busy and budgets and et cetera, et cetera. So what's one thing that you kind of have on your goal list that you want to do that might make you a little bit more sustainable this year? Um, I would definitely say that's translating sustainability within my own household. Okay. Um, my mom is great. You know, she, as soon as she senses, because I have a brother as well. So as soon as she senses us becoming interested in something, you know, that becomes her interest as well. And she becomes, you know, totally entranced with it. And she's always willing to learn, which I am, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for because she's just as, um, she wants to participate just as much as I do. So I think, you know, now that I'll have a little bit of downtime after graduation, um, kind of, you know, having recyclables more separated within our house and having a compost system set up and definitely more um, thrift shopping and a lot less retail shopping because she really, really likes to shop. (laughs) Um, 
So I'm sure when she listens to this, it's going to be news to her, but surprise, surprise, you know. Surprise! surprise. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think definitely um, conserving more resources within our house is something that I'd like to do. Um, we're not horrible, but, you know, we definitely, we have a little room to, to grow, you sure. know, so. Absolutely. And I think, too, like, it takes time, and like I'm I'm running like a little ego challenge with some with some friends and some of them have messaged me and said like hey like I don't want to just go out tomorrow and like I buy all this stuff like you know I want to I do want to get a bamboo toothbrush and I want to do this and I want to do that but you know like I just can't it's not sustainable for my wallet and I'm like well no like you know use what you have right now don't don't stress it's okay but long term, it's an investment. So, you know, once your toothbrush, your plastic toothbrush is no longer, you know, good for you, and you have to go buy another toothbrush, then maybe that's the time you buy the bamboo toothbrush that you want. But don't think that you have to go out tomorrow and buy all these products and and things like that. It's, it's, it takes time and it's an investment and, and it's fun to learn. So um, don't put pressure on yourself. And, and they're like, okay, 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 thank God. Like, so, so the no, last... that's definitely true. Um, if I could speak on that real quick, if yeah, you don't mind. sure, yeah, um, absolutely. This actually just came up the other day because in one of my classes we were talking about, um, you know, different um, heating systems and different cooling systems within a building, and which one is more sustainable over the other, and all these other things. Sure. Um, so I think just in different circumstances like that, you're absolutely right that it's. Um, if you're looking to be a bit more quote unquote green, sometimes it is going to be that upfront investment. Um, and so even if, you know, the situation between you and your friends was a small example, it's, it's a very prevalent one. Um, and I think that's something that we kind of need to continue to communicate um, to other communities as well, you know, especially ones that, you know, they're thinking about, they're thinking of their life in terms of survival. They're not thinking of their life life in terms of trying to conserve anything besides money in their pocket you know which you can't blame them for mm-hmm. um you know we're all there we all definitely want to hold on to our coin um sure. so i think um just kind of going back on that yeah just communicating that you know when you do have the opportunity to invest um sometimes just doing it for the sake of the environment and then trusting in those long-term um savings can do wonders um or just, you know, finding different resources to help you invest or finding different resources to kind of educate you on what's out there and different options is Absolutely. definitely important. So, um, which I think people don't realize, you know, because everybody wants to be the trendy sustainable and just buy like fair trade coffee and things like that. Um, so I think it's definitely important to keep in mind that sometimes it is going to be an investment. And like you said, it's a process. So, Absolutely. You know, there's even, nothing wrong with that. It's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with slowly transitioning. Absolutely. And even for like for your mom, for example, you know, she loves to shop. Well, and maybe instead of, you know, pushing her to thrift shop right away, if she's interested in like locally made clothing, um, or if she needs like a, a winter jacket, for example, you know, that maybe get something that's locally made and it might cost a little bit more, but it's an investment because you know that it's going to be quality, a quality product. It's locally made. Um, it's made with organic materials or whatever. Um, but sometimes people think that they need to just go all out at once. Um, but there are sometimes baby steps that you can take if you're so used to doing something one way. 
Um, right. And it's like for people that go vegan or vegetarian, some people it, it works for them to just cut cut it cold turkey. Some people want to take, you know, do meatless Mondays to start and then, you know, just eat meat on the weekend and then slowly kind of, you know, cut back their consumption. So, um, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. And um, yeah, it just takes time. And, and it's really depends on, you know, what's going on in your life, too. If you're extremely busy, sometimes it's not it's not sustainable for you to do things a certain way. So definitely, yeah, definitely. absolutely. So we are on to the very last question and I want to know, because we didn't really kind of talk about this, but I want to know what sustainability means to you. So personally inside what, when you hear that word, you're like, yeah, that's what I believe in. Um, sustainability to me when I hear sustainable sustainability I hear equity okay um I think that is the best way that I can you know accurately describe it without going on another 20 minute (laughs) (laughs) sermon on the mountain um I think yeah I think it means equity and I think you know equity means a bunch of different things it means um, conservation, it means outreach, it means education, it means advocacy. I always struggle with that word. Um, but you know, everybody gets the point. It means just kind of making sure that, um, our relationships, like I said, are all encompassing with both the natural environment and the people around us. Um, so so yeah, I think equity is the best way that I would describe it. That's a, that's a really great way to describe it. I really like that a lot. And I and it's so like it's so relevant. It's so relatable. I can I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And thank you so thank much. Thank you. This is great. I had yeah. a great time. <laughs> I've learned <laughs> I've learned so much and I'm so thankful for having you on the show and um I hope to talk to you in obviously, um, sooner than a couple years, but I really hope that you move forward with getting your PhD and, um, yeah, I'm really excited for you to like live that journey out and see kind of where it takes you. Um, because I can feel, I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about like advocacy and, um, environmentalism and social justice and I, and, and it's, it's powerful. So I feel like, Um, If that's what is inside, like if that's in your heart, if that's what's calling you, please do it because you have the passion and you're inspiring. So, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be great. (laughs) No, seriously. And good luck with the podcast, you know, and the recent launch and everything. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. So, thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Sustainable Seagull on air. Um, I'm so grateful that Tara could be on the show today. And if you have any questions or anything like that, please send them my way and I will get you in touch with Tara. And yeah, thank you again for listening to the show and make sure to subscribe and give us a review and rate the podcast. I hope you have an amazing day and I want you to think about what sustainability means to you. 